Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into our both most diabolical work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Conviction 5.4. So we have skipped forward a few minutes and Blake, Rose and Evan are all kind of performing the... uh, the binding ritual to bind Blake and Evan together. But, you know, Rose is there helping too, playing a bit of the third wheel in this <laughs> relationship. Yeah, well, she's kind of helping Evan get through it because he's obviously still a kid. So yep. he, he struggles with some bits of it. But, uh, yeah, and I mean, we see later that she's very much a part of this. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's 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 good that she got to get involved, I guess. Uh, Yay. <laughs> in some part of it. Uh, but I like how this sort of... One of the first things we see in in this part of the ritual is Blake winging it and changing the words. Uh, it's it just it was very Blake. Like I it just it, <laughs> yeah. just co- it, it didn't surprise me at all when it was suddenly like, yeah. oh yeah, Blake's just editing this as he goes, checks yep, out freestyle off the top of the dome. <laughs> uh, he also he also uses soap. I guess he was meant to create a circle of something that represents human civilization. So mm. he used soap, which I mean, that actually makes yeah. sense to me. He he seems. A little critical of himself for it, but I mean, I back it. Yeah, well, it's one of the you know one of the most important inventions is hygiene, right? Medically yeah. speaking. Yeah, it was a bit of a turning point for yeah, like hygiene and and uh, yeah, a lot of sort of medical stuff. Absolutely. Um, so this is another example of something I love about Pact, which is a wild ritual that. Uh, <laughs> so we've, we've seen a few rituals throughout the story so far. We've seen the awakening ritual. We've seen the uh, the chronomancy ritual, um, and now this one. And they're all very like weighty. They all have these like you know they're reading these passages aloud to the spirits, presumably, and mm. there's always weird shit that starts to happen. It really gives <laughs> these rituals a feeling of like you know, some weight, some oomph behind them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not just casual spells. These are, like, the big bits. Um, yeah. And yeah. I mean, because, like, like, Blake actually sort of notices that he... Uh, like the very opening line of the chapter is that he's three quarters of the way through this thing and no weird shit's happening, and he actually finds that <laughs> odd. Um, he then yeah. points out that he's already halfway, like, through the spirit world or whatever, so... There's already tons of weird shit happening, so maybe yeah. it's kind of being lost in that regard. But, <laughs> and then yeah. the more weird shit does start happening anyway. So yeah, it does come. Yeah. Jump the gun a bit. Yeah. Um, so there's a line here I want to pull out because we didn't really talk about it last chapter, which was uh, Blake is referring to Duncan and says, I turned his promise into a lie and that came at a cost. Um, you know, Blake is is has made Duncan break his promise because Blake did escape from the police station, at least for a minute or two. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Duncan kind of said earlier, he implied that he has made promises to Laird about keeping Blake at the police station. He he made an implicit promise to, to Blake that he would keep them there for 24 hours for the day. Um, and so Blake is kind of like counting on Duncan being a bit powered down now that his promise has been fucked with yeah um i i I toyed with the idea of bringing this last time since that that wasn't really my read when i went through that the duncan was forsworn in any way but it was definitely a thing in the comments like when we went to pull out comments for 5.3 there were multiple discussions of people arguing for both ways whether or not duncan was forsworn and whether he'd actually promised anything or you know whether 
the exact semantics meant that it was a promise or not. And we sort of learned yeah. it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Like he, so he clearly did make those promises and he was forsworn, but Blake fucked himself up so much that the spirits don't, aren't even sure whether they count it. So they've kind of half <laughs> forsworn him, yeah. it seems like. The spirits like, oh, I don't know, just, just take a half, like shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Blake is about 50% himself, so Duncan gets about 50% powered down. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so Evan and Blake finish their ritual, kind of, you know, swearing more promises to each other, and and they get bound together. And, and almost immediately, this helps Blake out. Like, he, he almost immediately feels better as a result of this. Yeah, well, because I started to get a little worried, because as they're going through the ritual, there's this bit where... Uh, they, Blake promises to feed Evan however he needs it, and Evan promises to, like, re- repay him for that. And, and then Blake yep. sort of has a quick thought aside where he's like, you know, there was a whole chapter in the book dedicated to basically this one part of the ritual because mm. depending on the other uh, and the familiar practitioner relationship, like, it totally changes what that looks like. Like, sometimes it can be the practitioner gives the familiar their own power and then the familiar sort of uses that to do cool shit for the practitioner basically yeah so it's not necessarily that the other gives you personal power and i was like as as that sort of became clear to me i was like oh god i mean blake's got to get some power from evan though right like jesus uh, it's yeah. This has gone he, on for he too long. Need another drain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's already got Rose tanking him on yep. one end. Like, the last thing he needs is Evan taking some stuff too. So <laughs> it does. It does seem to be that, uh, in general at least, Evan Evan is feeding him some power. Which we've said souls are different to ghosts. So I assume that means it's it's all okay, and he's not you know going to run out in in six mm. months. Hopefully. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can imagine, you know, we know ghosts are pretty fragile, so you can imagine if, if Evan was a ghost instead of a soul, maybe he would need more power from Blake to hold himself together, but I guess souls don't have that limitation. Um, so, yeah. e- Evan is immediately helpful to, to Blake. <laughs> he, <laughs> we kind of learn one of his abilities is going to be able to be, uh, you know, unlocking locks, just helping <laughs> Blake maneuver through tricky situations. Yeah, he seems to have this ability to just peck locks open, which is great. Um, when I first was reading it, I was like, did he just pick that lock with his beak? I don't really understand the logistics <laughs> of that. And then later it's like, no, he just pecks them and they just come undone, which is cool. Yeah. We're in a world with magic, Elliot. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't literally have to open it with his beak. Um, yes, yeah, so beak, of course, we find out Evan is a bird. He's got a beak and claws. He's a cute, a cute little bird boy, um, which... Is, is a good fit, and we'll we'll talk about that a bit later, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Blake is kind of escaping out of a window, unfortunately, Duncan catches up to him, uh, pulls a gun on him, and, you know, says, you move, I'll shoot you, so come back inside. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple of bits I want to talk about right here. So I'll, I'll this bit where Duncan's sort of like, uh, I'm going to keep you in here because it's going to raise questions about what you're even doing in here, and, and Blake retorts, well what you did to the door because Duncan sort of aged the door so that it fell apart. Yep. And Blake's like, yeah, well, that's going to raise questions too. And then as he sort of turned around, he sees the door's just repairing itself. <laughs> uh, and, and you can just imagine how smug Duncan's looking about that specific thing. But yep. it also just made me think how frustrating it must be for like other practitioners to fight Blake because he's, in terms of being a practitioner, he's such a dumbass. <laughs> like, really. He's clueless. And yep. it's, it's like, 
he, he's he's so ignorant and it must be so frustrating if he keeps beating you when he doesn't even really know what he's doing um like yeah. it, it also yeah. makes him incredibly unpredictable as, as duncan sort of goes into in a little bit but aside from just yeah. the unpredictability it like it, it's very frustrating being beaten by a novice it's something that you've been <laughs> training at for most of your life Yes, um, and we see that frustration in Duncan kind of seeming to go more and more off of the rails, right? Um, mm. you, you genuinely get the sense that Duncan is pretty close to just shooting him right then and there. Duncan's phrasing in a lot of this almost implies specifically that he's going to shoot Blake. Like, there's yeah. not that. There's not much of that, well, if you don't do this, maybe I'll shoot. He's kind of like, if you don't start talking, I will shoot you. So, yeah, yeah he's clearly you know on on edge and and not messing around anymore yeah, um leaving no wiggle room here yeah absolutely uh he can't help but give blake a little bit of a monologue about why cutting himself open like this was a bad thing and because he, he sort of tells blake about how now stuff can get him and get in and possess him and that's sort of a whole yeah. thing um that blake starts to worry about towards the end of the chapter but like there was no need for duncan to tell blake this like this is clearly just <laughs> That smugness coming through. He just loves being able to tell Blake what an idiot he is, so he takes the opportunity to do that. Yeah, of course, it's a uh, it's his special move. Um, yeah, I I I like Duncan. He's he's very smug here, pointing out why Blake's unpredictable, weird moves were also the incorrect moves to make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what we were talking about before. Like, this is why yeah. it would be so frustrating because you wouldn't predict Blake would do something this dumb because apparently it's really dumb. <laughs> who, would have, who would have thought bleeding yourself out is a bad idea? Um, anyway, uh, more police officers come into the morgue, and uh, yeah, Dun- uh, Duncan has really got Blake into a corner here. Blake is caught in the morgue with the same child's body, doing some kind of weird ritual, uh, and uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't look good for old Blake. Yeah, again, the making Blake look crazy angle seems like a very slam slam dunk strategy yeah uh, he, barely even needed to do anything <laughs> yeah he's, you know they walked in and blake's just like been throwing soap around the room uh <laughs> with this child's body in it so yeah pretty pretty easy case to make i think yeah and the fact that duncan seems uh you know seems like there's been a struggle and duncan is kind of telling them hey i, I was or duncan is threatening to tell them hey i was afraid for my life at, at one point you know uh it doesn't it doesn't get the police officers on side no, well, yeah, Blake, as Blake says, there's there's no quicker way to turn the rest of the police against you than hurting one of their own. Yeah. Um, interestingly, though, Duncan does seem to go a bit easy on him. Uh, you know, he, he could he could kind of say, oh, Blake drew a weapon on me. He could he could literally shoot Blake. I mean, he's he, he would be able to find a way to justify doing that. Right. But instead, he, he, he tells them to go a bit easy on him. And it's it. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know. I wonder what you think of his motivation here. Yeah, it actually, it, it jumped out to me as well. I, I, he, he explicitly says, go easy on him. And I was like, why? Uh, it, I don't really know. I think maybe it's a karma thing. Maybe because he's low on power, there's some reason mm. that he, you know, wants Blake kept in some way or to, to maybe drain power from Blake, which is like, talk about tapping a dry well, um, mm-hmm. or, or, or something. But yeah, it, it definitely jumped out to me, and I still, I'm still not super confident in any read on why exactly he, he said this. And because Blake has brought this up before, actually, I think last chapter, he mentioned that both mm. Duncan and Laird have gone out of their way not to directly hurt him, 
which is interesting. Maybe maybe it was part of whatever deal. Uh, I you know I've talked before about how they made probably made a deal with Rose Senior to get some defenses. Maybe they're actually yeah. not allowed to directly act on him or something. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing that could happen, right? Like a oh you don't go after me or mine kind of clause in the deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's why they're. But it wasn't indirect stuff, so that's why they're always sending middlemen or or just sort of indirectly yeah. messing with him, putting him in bad situations, yeah. but not pulling the trigger. Yeah, totally. I mean, it would it would make sense. It would track all the way back to uh, Lard's tricks, uh, Led's tricks in the coffee shop, right? Yeah, yeah, um, totally. So Evan, who has been undetected by Duncan so far, kind of sneaks behind him and, <laughs> in his bird form, kind of gets inside his coat, rustling around inside Duncan's coat for for you know a purpose that we don't really find out what it is until later uh but duncan quite quickly catches him and, and grabs him <laughs> yeah i mean i actually think duncan played this pretty coolly like if i had a sparrow going through my coat <laughs> i'd be freaking the hell out i'd be i'd be screaming pulling off my coat probably on the ground uh duncan just sort of grabs it and handles it it's it's actually kind of impressive yep just yeah fine with it um and duncan obviously from this sees you know evan sees sees what has happened and seems I don't know, like disappointed in Blake that he's done this. So I, yeah, I I am a little bit confused by all this because I don't think that Duncan fully appreciates that Evan is now as familiar at this point in time because otherwise Mm. breaking his neck was never going to really do that much. I I guess it Mm. still does a lot. But uh, yeah, he does sort of have this reaction where he seems very displeased by the revelation that Evan is, is now a bird, which, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe he does realize it's the familiar and he's upset that he's going to have yeah. to sort of fight Evan now as well. Cause he, he does seem like mm. someone who genuinely wouldn't have anything against Evan. And so it would kind of suck to find out, Oh, now I'm going to have to destroy this eight year old boy's soul. Literally. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's a, a bit of a, a, a move in poor taste, forcing your opponent to have to, what, <laughs> kill an eight-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, but Duncan, ever the, you know, ever the workhorse, does it, uh, takes a solid hold on, on Bird Evan and snaps his neck, tossing him outside in the snow. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty full-on. You really feel it when it happens. Uh, yeah. You hear the crunch, <laughs> don't yeah, you? Yeah, you really do. Um I like this bit as they're sort of marching out and Blake's desperately trying to prevent this. So this is just before Duncan goes outside and, and uh, you know, twists the neck. Yeah. He he sort of goes, He Blake sort of tries to bring up, he's like, you know, this is Laird's nephew. Like, I'm bringing this up for the third time. And it's like a desperate <laughs> attempt to, to do the theatrics again. And this time it doesn't yep. work. But I, I really appreciated the effort and the, the way the text sort of highlights exactly what Blake's trying to do. Like, we never hear his thoughts or anything on this. It's just the, the, the term third time is italicized and you're immediately like, oh, yeah, good idea. <laughs> good uh, try, Blake. Good try. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, and Duncan snaps Evan's neck. And all of the strength that Blake had, had kind of been given by, by Evan here is gone and he basically collapses he 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 basically almost falls right through the floor into you know the other world right then and there yeah i mean it seems it seems pretty rough it uh it seems like what what happened to him you know when uh presumably the knights on the base knights of the basement sort of tugged on his very essence when they yeah. were forming a connection with him but like a thousand times worse like he's sort of he feels like he's disintegrating basically yeah uh, yeah, so it doesn't sound it was a good, it, was a, it, it, it was a good five minutes where he had a new source of power, but... Yeah, oh well. not even five <laughs> minutes, I don't think. Um, 
so there's a there's a then there's a quote where you know I, I I'm I'm interested to hear how how you reacted to this. Um, we get this quote: Evan Evan was lying in a snowbank with a snapped neck until he pulled himself together. And to me, this was the moment where it, it kind of it's like, hey, Evan's dead. Oh nope nope nope. He's a familiar now, so it's it's okay. He can pull himself back together. Um, I'm I'm curious how how this affected you it, I, I didn't really believe that evan was gone gone at any point i think we've yeah. had it really hammered into us that familiars are a, a whole life thing uh and you know there's no divorce or anything and i even assumed that kind of meant there's no widowing or at the very least there's no if your familiar died you don't get a new one and i really felt like mm. it'd be I would have been really angry at Wild Bo if, if we'd gone through all this and then Evan had died and Blake was just <laughs> familiarless Evan. for the rest of the story. <laughs> we finally get him as a familiar and no, never mind. Yeah, that, um, that might have been a bit much for me. So so it, I never really fully believed it. So I was glad that the it, it didn't really feel dragged out though, that this concept that like, oh, Evan's dead. And I, I did believe that Blake might believe it. So that, that mm. sort of kept the impact of the whole situation a bit alive to me. But it, it, yeah, the, the line you read did jump out to me as well because Blake is just sort of like, the term until he pulled himself together kind of makes it seem like he's just being a bit slack. But he's <laughs> he's lying there with a broken neck. Like, yeah. It's a big deal. I, I I think it means pull himself together in the sense of like, like literally. the Terminator pulling <laughs> itself back together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, presumably. Like literally um, reforming yourself, not just like, yeah. you know, that, that slacker on the couch who needs to get their life together and, <laughs> yeah, and get, get off the couch. Shape, Evan. <laughs> yeah. uh, so B- Blake kind of has this realisation that uh, while Duncan was in the evidence locker before, he wasn't just collecting trinkets. He wasn't just kind of you know, poking around, he was collecting things that were Blake's to kind of deny Blake the opportunity to slip back in and get them now that he's escaped. Um, which means that that Duncan now has Dune on him, and so Rose <laughs> is able to summon Dune and fucking deep-freeze Duncan, or try to at least. Yeah, I mean, Blake's already experienced firsthand how having Rose on your person is both a blessing and a curse, uh, depending <laughs> on how, how things go. But yeah, I like the way we've sort of had this seeded to us, uh, wait, Ev- Evan has been trying to get this message to Blake and it sort of finally clicks. Yeah. And I-, I also like that this wasn't actually Blake's plan for Rose to use June. He seemed to have some idea that actually involved opening the doors, which I don't understand mm. what his genuine plan was. Rose's seems <laughs> much better. Uh, but it- it's-, it's interesting that Blake's idea of, because it-, it-, it was to do with June, but he wanted to open the cold air for some reason, maybe to make it easier for a Dune, whereas Rose just instantly goes mm. to, how can I use the magical hatchet that's a tool? As a tool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Dune uh, starts freezing Duncan, and the image of Duncan, he has to suddenly, like, make an excuse and run away while Dune is starting to freeze him. <laughs> it's just such a funny image. He's like, uh, 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 I'll leave you to it, I gotta go, and he just kind of runs off. It, it's very funny. It, it, it's like when someone gets diarrhea in a sitcom or something, and <laughs> and you know you sort of, they've got that like panicked look on their face, and they're like, I, yeah. I I have to go to the evidence room, and then they sort of quickly waddle <laughs> off awkwardly. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what I was sort of picturing in this situation. Yeah, it's a great moment. Um, yeah, and so this kind of gives an opportunity for some more shenanigans, right? Um, Rose breaks a window, uh, causes some shenanigans, heads out. And convinces Evan that he's not really dead. Evan pulls himself back together, flies in, and uh, kind of reveals that Duncan's jacket, where he's dropped it, 
has a bag of evidence inside it. Yeah. And so, again, <laughs> Blake sort of says, Rose just goes out there and uh, Blake doesn't say exactly what she said, but he sort of implies that it's something along the lines of convincing Evan that it's just a broken neck, which, again, I have to <laughs> yeah. call out as seemingly belittling what I would ima- what I would imagine is a very traumatic experience regardless of your current status in terms of being a familiar or whatever like it- it's probably very uncomfortable for Evan uh no come on Evan <laughs> man up you've just have your neck snapped buddy come on <laughs> no yeah it's I don't know what <laughs> the the wording of convincing Evan that he's not really dead is so funny to me yeah like I it really had me wondering what what is Evan going through right now as he's lying there, like because yeah. we've seen ghosts, uh, like just regular ghosts, like June, sort of being able to be convinced that they're reliving their deaths. And I wonder if if this if Evan experiences something similar, and this was just like a really traumatic little bit for him that Blake yeah. and Rose like, come on, get back to work. Yeah, no time, no time for a nap in the snow, Evan. Um, so yeah, Evan kind of comes in and and reveals the evidence, and Blake uses this to kind of point out, hey, what the heck, Duncan's got evidence. He's, there's some conspiracy going on, and you know, it all it all kind of comes together quite nicely because of Blake and Evan and Rose all kind of working together, right? Blake reveals the info about the hatchet. Rose runs with that, sets up Evan. Evan flies in, sets up Blake, and they all kind of play off each other really, really well and really naturally here. It's like, yeah, they have good team dynamics. Yeah, totally. They're they're all very in sync with this little maneuver. It comes together really nicely. And I can only hope they maintain this level of uh, teamwork for Mm. at least most of the story. (laughs) We'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, So Duncan is kind of, you know, Duncan goes wild again. He, He basically sets up to reset the day he he draws his gun and tries to shoot blake um evan helps him get out of the way by kind of pushing him uh and duncan locks himself into a room to kind of reset the day um blake will have his third chance i suppose yeah which he doesn't really want anymore i don't think or because he didn't want it and then he did and now i think he's probably back to not wanting it because especially duncan confirmed that if he resets the day blake is still kind of like fucked uh in terms of blake is still going to be drained yeah so there's not really any advantage for blake in in resetting the day anymore like that was my hope is he'd get duncan to reset the day and he'd be back to his old self but with a familiar uh but i guess not um Mm. i I like this little thing that sort of comes up a bit so evan seems to have like an ant-man-esque power where even though he's a little sparrow he he can sort of hit things with more force than that Mm. Um, because it makes more sense than Ant-Man because this is magic. So the physics inconsistencies <laughs> are like appropriate, uh, yep. but, but it's, it's a cool little twist. Like we're learning all these little abilities Evan has that I'm sure are going to be very useful throughout the, the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, this, this chapter really sets up how great of a like multi-tool Evan is, is able to be in a lot of these situations. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so <laughs> Duncan, snaps again here right and and this is something mm. i really like about his character is he uh, almost to a level of of being kind of sociopathic is able to just kind of realize oh this day is a write-off well time to you know time to to go westworld and and you know fuck shit up and <laughs> reset the day he's he just completely switches off or switches over to a different mode of like going cold it's it's very brutal he yeah yeah, well, it, it, it's it's someone who's not concerned at all about consequences or anything. I mean, you know, it, yeah, not the best comparison, but this is like 
this is like in a video game, you know, where you, you sort of you save your game and then you go on a rampage knowing you can go back to the to the, the yeah. previous save, right? Like that's basically what he's doing here. Like he probably doesn't think he has to worry about not being a complete psychopath because in the end he's going to correct everything. So it shouldn't matter. Yep. Um, so Blake is taken back to his cell and kind of waits for the day to reset. Whenever Evan delivers him the locket that was taken from him before, as well as a mysterious item that, that Blake doesn't identify, but clearly seems to put Blake at ease. Um, yeah. And, and so the hair is gone from the locket, but Blake yeah. notices some like rust or something in there that he thinks might be the glamour, maybe. So I guess he just... He yep. treats the locket like he did before, and I guess he's hoping that when he's got a bit more of a chance, he can have a look inside and see if there's anything worth, you know, keeping. Yeah, maybe he can, you know, regrow it, start it up again. Um, yeah. I like that we don't find out what this thing that Evan has delivered is, but Blake is so at ease by it. Um, and he goes from, okay, I need to plan for the third round to, all right, we got this. It's fine. Let's start worrying about the abstract demon. This is easy. <laughs> um, it's so it's so fun. Like, what could Evan have grabbed that would set this up? It's a great little, a great little uh, paragraph or two of of just being confused why everything has suddenly just gone well. Yeah, and and you can sort of try and draw your own conclusions as you're reading, and it's not drag it's not dragged out too long, so it's not like a yeah. super unnecessary little dramatic moment. Uh, but. Yeah, basically, uh, you're right. There's this tonal shift uh, for this prison cell conversation where as soon as this object is revealed, Blake can go back to focusing on all of his other concerns uh, now that he knows he will be out of here soon. Yeah, he he can go back to just having to worry about the, the massive monster that's trying to send him after a demon that eats people and makes them disappear good times oh and um, also that he's probably possessed by something at this point and he's about to yes, get real sick from it yeah <laughs> yeah um so there's a moment here where rose says if you can't go over the, after the abstract demon that's okay isn't it you only promised you'd try to bind the three things uh emphasizing that you only promised you'd try to bind the three things um so so blake is kind of making the point that uh, Rose is kind of making the point, sorry, that, that Blake has already tried here, but Blake really wants to give it a proper go, right? Yeah, a great point to make after he's already destroyed himself getting two of them, Rose. But uh, <laughs> no, you're right. He's, his counter-argument is, is essentially on the lines of, no, I, I want to do this. Uh, yeah. Not, not even because, I mean, the counter-argument to I, I do want to do this is, yeah, but give it a real go in like a week when, when you're not yeah. absolutely fucked. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. No, Blake, uh, Blake has to, you know, give it an actual try. Um, he, he's, he pulls out some, mm. some justifications about promising Evan that they'd, you know, deal with the bad things, but you're right. Th- there's no inherent time limit on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but Blake is kind of calm enough to take a quick nap uh, until he's kind of woken up by Duncan storming towards him, and we find out that the mysterious object that Evan took from him was one of the items that Duncan needs for time, you know, looping. Yeah, oh, and, and particularly because Duncan has, has been weakened somewhat by Blake escaping, he mm. really needs all of them. Uh, so yeah. he's, he's yeah. shit out and, of luck. And- that's that's pretty much it. Like Duncan screwed from there, right? He's he's snapped. He he showed the psychopath side, and he can't reset. Um, the 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 moment to me that's beautiful is 
Duncan storming towards them and his partner saying something along the lines of, come on now, Duncan, you're not making things any better for yourself, <laughs> which is just such a like, <laughs> you just know in that moment, Duncan's lost this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's gone from, as I was sort of saying, doing all this shit where he didn't have to worry about the consequences to having that dawning realization where, you know, the autosave was actually on and yeah. and now he can't go back and <laughs> he's he's stuck with, you know, having having killed all those people in Skyrim and he can't, yeah. can't go back now. He's Westworlded, but turns out the robots are sentient. Uh-oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so Blake's lawyer comes back and, you know, Blake is very close to being released. Um, Blake threatens to go to the media and basically based on that, the captain says, okay, yeah, I'll let you go. Although you got to come back for questioning tomorrow morning. Which Blake says he'll do. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe this is just me being paranoid, but as he was agreeing to that, I was like, oh, I wouldn't use such harsh words. Uh, cause like it is in Blake's interest to come back and help sort this out to really close out his defeat of Duncan and hopefully then by yep. extension led because that yeah that is important but promising he'll be back tomorrow morning with the night he he's looking to have ahead of him yes <laughs> might have been a bit optimistic <laughs> i i think it's probably worth pointing out that if he can't come back tomorrow morning you know that means the night tonight where where Pose is unbound and where Blake is fighting the abstract demon if Blake can't come back tomorrow morning He's got bigger problems, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, I would have, I'd have very much been like oh, along the lines of, yes, like I'm definitely planning to come I'll back. I'll do my it, best. <laughs> it, yeah, it's in my interest to come back, but uh, I would have avoided making hard promises uh, along a certain timeline because, yeah, uh, yeah, that seems it seems very optimistic. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a line. So they're thinking about the the, the possession stuff, and I, I want to pull out this line just because I felt it was very foreboding, where Blake is thinking it was phase one of the possession process. I'd read about what happened when too big a spirit took up residence. So this has to be a reference mm. to, to Vic, back, way back in our very first interlude, um, which is <laughs> the, possibly the worst case of thing that could be you could be compared to by being inhabited by a spirit, right? That went pretty badly. Yeah, I mean, Vic was my first thought as well, because it's certainly the only example like that that we've read. Uh, yep. So it's it, it it probably is a reference to Vic because it's the only one we can draw. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, Vic Vic didn't have a good time of it. So although yeah. I'm saying that they did they did manage to kind of keep it under control through a familiar bond. So you know, Evan mm. Evan might be helping out there. I guess hopefully. Mm. True. Um, True. But well, if we weren't Blake is inhabited by a spirit. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we found out that Blake for the whole of this story has already been possessed by a spirit of like. Being a maniac, I wouldn't be very surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's free. Blake's free, uh, and now all he has to do is go fight the scary memory demon. Um, which <laughs> is better. I mean, you know, again, out of the frying pan, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, I actually wondered briefly towards the end, as we were closing in on Arc Four. Originally, I thought Arc Four was going to be all three challenges, and I don't think it was quite till four the. 11 that i understood that that wasn't going to be the case uh, but there was a period there where i started to wonder if there was going to be just like a bit of a trick to the abstract demon like it's mm. it's not going to be quite as epically evil as as we think um i think there was a line where blake said to fell that he thought it was going to be the worst one and fell basically responds maybe which could just be practitioner talk for i don't mm. want to commit to anything but 
I'm wondering if there is maybe not as much to the abstract demon or it's def- it's going to be more of like a mental thing to be. I think these last two have been physical uh, and emotional challenges for Blake. And I wonder if this abstract demon is actually just going to be something where it's just a bit of a, you, you just got to kind of outplay it mentally, you know, Interesting. The, some sort of, some sort of equivalent this- of beating it in a chess game type thing, but obviously yeah. not, nothing that simple, but uh, you I, know, no, I, nothing quite like chasing a giant wolf goblin through a forest. <laughs> are you basing this based on the fact that, like, you can see how many chapters are in Conviction and, you know, there's a bit of a... a, a the arc is going to come to an end soon, or...? Uh, honestly, yeah, a little bit. Um, but also, mostly just... Blake is so physically defeated already, I just don't think... True. I, I, I think it's... I, I, I'm more interested in the idea of the story got, taking a slightly different route in how it's challenging Blake, because it would kind of be like beating a dead horse a bit to to mm. require him to to physically uh physically go through more not not that i wouldn't necessarily enjoy that but uh, i like the mm. idea of it just being uh some sort a of mental challenge match. uh that he yeah. he rose and uh evan go up against and that seems right, to be blake's well, uh, hope as well based on how the chapter ends well yeah no i i imagine blake is keen for it not another physical <laughs> challenge um but i suppose we'll find out next time in conviction 5.5 because that's the end of 5.4 right there. Yeah. Uh, and, and so this is just, uh, well, as we end the chapter, this is just a bit of a reminder that uh, we we asked that discussion question and we said we'd talk about it at the end of 5.4, but we forgot that that's a bonus yep. one. So that's actually not a whole week. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're going to do it. to give people a bit more time. Um, yeah. Well, in saying that, because of Easter, uh, our recording schedule is getting a bit sort of shifted around. So we're actually going to be recording 5.5 around the time 5.4 comes out. So mm-hmm. we will only be pulling answers from 5.2 and 5.3's threads. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so as you're hearing this, we've probably already uh, sort of started as recording this, that. too late. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but so, we will, uh, we will be reading them. <laughs> yeah, we will, we will be reading them next, uh, next chapter. Uh, for course. now, though, we, we thought it'd be more fun to do a little... Or monster corner seems like the wrong word, but uh, we're going to talk about the the <laughs> meaning harsh. of yeah, yeah the meaning of sparrows uh, and and yeah. Evans Evans new familiar form. Yeah, I always love the idea of what determines the form that a familiar takes. So, you know, now that we finally get to meet Blake's familiar, the protagonist's familiar, what forms does it take? A sparrow. Uh, what does that mean, Elliot? Yeah, well, I actually thought it was interesting. I assumed this would be something that was maybe a discussion or something the familiar sort of shows but it i kind of got the impression that evan just turned into that like it didn't really seem like mm. something he chose to do either he's a very clever little boy because uh, this is a great form or it just sort of mm. happens like the spirits maybe uh are what decides the form of the familiar a bit yeah um yeah but anyway so e- evan has taken the form of a sparrow i presume but technically we just hear bird or i think there's one point where blake specifically calls it a sparrow and i've latched onto that because it fits really well so if that's not it it, it Oops. So if that if that's not what he was if that's not what he was implying with that statement, it, it should be because it fits it fits fantastically. Um, <laughs> so w- when I first went to look at into like the symbolism of sparrows, I mostly came across what they mean in terms of totem animals, which I hadn't heard before, and it's it's a Native American thing. Uh, there's some there's some tarot stuff that also deals with like totem animals, but it kind of seems like they've just you know cannibalized the Native American concepts and integrated it into a deck of cards. Uh, yeah. So the general gist of the actual Native American stuff seems to be that you have these spirit animals or these totem animals that are with you for a few years. Like it's not like a zodiac where 
it's it's your whole life and it's based on your birth but it's it's more like based on the period of your life that you're going through right now you sort of have a totem animal that is you're meant to sort of follow and it guides you through mm. that phase of your life yeah and yeah, uh cool. so sparrows are talked about uh, a bit in in a lot of this stuff and there are a few trends I sort of noticed in in the various you know websites talking about this sort of stuff. Uh, the biggest one was that they usually focused on like cooperation and and teamwork and friendship and all that sort mm. of stuff, which uh, you know very much suits what we saw this chapter and and just the the general relationship between Blake and uh, Evan. I think. Well, yeah, and and Rose being in there too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a uh, cooperation and the sort of community aspect comes in when this this particular familiar practitioner relationship has an extra an uh, extra familiar <laughs> yeah an extra extra person in it that most of them probably do yeah um yeah. i think the other biggest trend that i noticed was that sparrows are generally associated with this idea that you need to work on your own self-worth or believe in yourself mm. more uh mm. you're you're probably someone who's a bit underconfident if your current spirit animal is a sparrow which i like suits that Blake it fits and Evan. so well yeah yeah, it, it suits both of them a fair bit. Uh, probably Rose too, even. But uh, it, yeah, I, I quite like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another little fun one was that they're often quite small uh, and they're underestimated because of it, but they're actually quite powerful. Again, I mm. think that suits Evan and Blake quite well. Uh, and mm. quite literally, uh, we have multiple points where Evan is noted for being like a lot stronger and more powerful than <laughs> a sparrow yeah. should be. Uh, so yeah. That's a bit of a literal interpretation of that. And the last one I wanted to uh, note, just as a bit of a, a funny point, is sparrows often can imply that you have a poor work-life bar- balance at the time when they're your spirit <laughs> animal, and that yeah. uh, maybe you're working yourself too much or not enough, and, and you need to yeah. either take some time or, or stop procrastinating, mm-hmm. which, you know, Blake could use some more R&R. Uh, that is true. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you would call uh, fighting for your life his his work, but definitely he he doesn't have a great life balance in there. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's made a bit of a career of just trying to stay alive. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was a funny little comment uh, on on Blake's current situation. Um, yeah. And then obviously the last thing I just wanted to say, and this didn't really come from the research, but obviously a sparrow is a bird. And in general, those are quite, like, free and agile. Like, you often associate mm. birds with freedom of movement and, and speed. Yeah. And I think that fits Evan in particular. He was, he was a little quick mover. And, and then also, yeah. you know, Blake is someone who's associ- constantly going on about how he wants to keep moving and he wants to, you know, yeah. not be tied down. And, and so I think that suits both of them quite well in that regard as well. Yeah, I mean, that the the association with birds and, and movement and also, obviously, Blake's tattoos are the really obvious ones that I kind of, you know, that you put together when you're reading the text. But it's it's interesting mm. to hear that there are all these other uh, bits of symbolism that, that really fit this their their relationship and, and who Blake is and who Evan is uh, so well. It's, yeah, there's a lot more layers to it than you, than, than you initially think. Yeah, totally. Because I, I think a lot of people probably make those general connections to birds. Yeah. But it, it was interesting reading about sparrows in particular and seeing that this was a more deliberate choice than just a general bird, but even just he's got a bird tattoo. Let's make it a bird. <laughs> yeah, even having Evan be specifically a sparrow seems to have been something that uh, had some thought put into it, and it's it's really good. Yeah, awesome. 
Um, well, that's the end of our the end of our of our episode today. Um, thanks you all for joining us. And uh, if you want to pop your answers to our discussion question somewhere, <laughs> uh, you can put them into the discussion thread. Um, we will still read them, of course, just they won't be featured on the episode. <laughs> or you can talk about anything that you want to chat about from uh, chapter five point four in those discussion threads. Uh, that will be linked in the episode description down below. Yes, uh, and if you're keen for f- to hear more people talk about Wildbo stuff, uh, you can head to doofmedia.com and see all the other shows there. And, of course, I'm specifically talking about We've Got Ward at the moment, which is just hit mm-hmm. part two of Arc 13. And Yes. Uh, yeah, Arc 13's very, very intriguing right now. Uh, so Oh, yeah. It's really <laughs> it's really getting, getting very interesting. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much in case people have, uh, have not listened or caught up on Ward, but... Definitely you should, because this arc <laughs> is getting wild. Um, yes. And if you want to show your support for the Doof Network, uh, the Doof Media Network is supported by its patrons, so the fact that we have patrons is what allows us to, to do this show and to upgrade our server hosting and all that cool stuff. Um, if you would like to help support the show, please go to patreon.com slash doofmedia. It would be uh, very appreciated, genuinely. Absolutely. And uh, what we're talking about, uh, you know, donating money to people who are putting their time into stuff, uh, we can't we can't forget Walbo, who puts so much time into all these amazing stories and really deserves uh, some reward for how great they are. So please stop by his Patreon, patreon.com slash Walbo. Yeah, definitely. Um, for more news on uh, Deep Impact and our shows, uh, you can also check out our Twitter, which is at MediaMTPodcast. Um, yeah. Apart from that, we'll see everyone on uh, Friday the 19th of April for Chapter 5.5. We'll see you then.